Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Joelle. I'm Sarah. Today we are joined by our 2019-20 Neighborhood Guide photographer, Anjali Pinto. Anjali is a photographer and writer based in Chicago and a resident local to Andersonville. Welcome, Anjali. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little, um, a little moist from the weather, but otherwise I'm happy. Yeah, hopefully by the time this airs, we will have never-ending sunshine. Well, let's start with you telling us a bit about yourself and your background. Are you from Chicago? I actually grew up downstate in Peoria, Illinois, um, but I consider myself a Chicagoan. Uh, My father is from Bombay in India, and my mom is from Peoria, and they met at Cook County Hospital. And um, once they decided to have a family, they moved back to Peoria to be closer to my grandparents. Um, But my dad would always drive us up to the city and be like, this is what real life is. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get too used to Peoria, Illinois. (laughs) Um, And then I went to school in Missouri for photojournalism and moved up to Chicago in 2010 after I finished school. And how did you come about the choice of choosing photojournalism for school? Like, had you kind of already been dappling in that as a hobby as kind of a younger person? Um, I discovered photography when I was 15 or 16. Um, My dad bought, he was always interested in photography, and he bought his first digital camera around then, and he didn't know how to use it. And he was like, figure this out for me. So I kind of commandeered it. And then he saw that I had some talent, and he was like, no, you have to learn the old way. And I enrolled in night classes at the community college so that I could learn how to develop film in a dark room. He wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) So um, I became passionate about that. And it felt like a form of art that I was actually good at where I had tried to be a painter and an artist in other forms. And it always was just like, yeah, you're not that good unless you're tracing. (laughs) Um, So that's not really a skill you can um, move forward on. But um, I chose photojournalism because it felt like a quote unquote real career. Um, being the daughter of a physician and a social worker, I thought that my empathetic skills would come in handy and that I would be able to meet people and tell stories and travel. And um, when I graduated from college, it was 2010, right after the recession, and there were no jobs in journalism. So I went into advertising for a bit. And when did you break off and start doing more of your own freelance work and your own projects? Um, I was working in-house for uh, Let Us Entertain You, the restaurant group whose offices are also in Edgewater, um, for six years. And then my husband passed away suddenly. So that kind of put into question everything I was doing and what I was putting my energy towards. So um, they were very kind to me and kept me on for a few months while I figured out what I was going to do. And then I just left and thought now's the best time to try to make it on my own if I'm going to do it. Well, I think anybody who follows you or knows you, there definitely is such a strong storytelling component to the work that you do. And I'm just curious how photojournalism specifically has maybe informed your work or, you know, it kind of distinguishes itself for you versus just regular photography or being a photographer. I think photojournalism informed the way that I wanted to approach subjects in large part because I didn't fit into the photojournalism program that I studied in. Um, I didn't feel like it was the most ethical thing to drop into someone's life, spend four hours getting to know their entire life story and then drop out and like maybe never see them again. Um, And I found that I made much better photographs when I actually made relationships with people 
and tried to tell stories over a longer period of time than what newspaper journalism allows. Um, so I think I was just very focused on passing the mic to my subjects rather than being in control of their narrative. Um, and that I kind of needed to be surrounded by other people who were good at newspaper journalism to realize that it wasn't a fit for me. The Andersonville Neighborhood Guide is a yearly print publication produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. The new edition comes out every year before Midsummerfest in June, which just happens to be next week. Through this experience, you've gotten to know our business owners. And what has that experience been like for you? And do you have a favorite moment or moments you'd like to share from the process? We were on um, location probably for about, you shot for like a month straight, correct? <laughs> Almost 40 businesses plus, so... It was kind of the ideal assignment, though, because I just got to, like, put on my backpack and walk outside and go to the places that I normally go anyway as a local business supporter and get to introduce myself in kind of a different capacity. But I already had an idea of what the places looked like and what the owners were like because I've lived here for eight years. So it was wonderful. What drew you to this neighborhood? Um, my sister owned a condo here when I first moved to Chicago, and she was nice enough to let me um, sleep in her guest bedroom, which was a twin bed in an office. <laughs> <laughs> so I saved up money for uh, six months, and then I found a place owned by a really sweet landlord who, you know, his family had bought the building from the original architects. Um, and I was like, you can't find this other places. Like, this is so wonderful. And I think a lot of 20-somethings that moved to Chicago think Andersonville is like the suburbs. Um, but if you start living here, then you realize, like, I can walk everywhere. I'm close to public transit. I'm close to the lake. And um, I kind of got spoiled. I was like, I don't want to move any. I don't want to move downtown. I don't want to move to Lakeview. No, thank you. I love that you said that people think it's like the suburbs. Because I feel like sometimes then when you live here for a long time, you, like, don't go other places, <laughs> too. I, like, try to make an effort to spend my weekdays here but like I I go out to other neighborhoods on the weekends and it can be a very insular community but we are pretty far north and it's not necessarily the most diverse place and I I try to you know visit my friends elsewhere and it's be a, a part of city. the whole city yeah. yeah it's a very big big city Having lived here for so long and working on this project, um, photographing so many of our businesses, was there anything new that you discovered in the process? Um, I definitely thought Great Lakes Clinical Trials was like a mad science lab. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what goes on in there, but those stock photos on the outside have me skeptical. No, but he was like very, very sweet. And um, I... They're doing amazing work on Alzheimer's research, and I had no idea. So it's very cool. I'm always very inspired every time I hear them present or talk because just we don't live in the world of clinical research, and it's just so fascinating, everything that they're doing. And Anjali, who has been some of your greatest influences, both professionally and personally? Are there any contemporary photographers you follow or other public figures or personal friends? Do you know how you... Like, it's embarrassing when you think of someone's Instagram name before their real name, and then you're like, wait, is that their real name or is that a nickname? <laughs> That's who you are to us. <laughs> um, I am constantly inspired by other photographers, and I think 
it's very easy to fall into the rut when you're coming up as a photographer to compare your work to other people and feel like, well, they are making it and they're doing it. And why can't I get there? Or like, I'm not that talented. Um, and I think just forming a really tight network around me of co-collaborators and I share a studio with six other women um, has kind of like pulled down that veil. And it makes me realize that it's it is about risk taking in um, asking people that you want to photograph to actually do it rather than just like going through that conversation in your head and never actually making an approach. Um, and also making work that you're passionate about without waiting for a client to pay you for that um, and really investing your free time and your resources in work that matters to you because that's how people start to notice you. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of what comes to mind. There's so many people that inspire me. Um, and it's not just photographers. It's also people that are just chasing their dreams in any capacity. Well, your answer is a really good segue to our next question, because we are going to ask you about your most recent project, Body Talk, yes. uh, which is a 24-page full-color photography zine that focuses on the nude form and fosters a conversation about body shame, shared histories, and the beauty and what makes our bodies unique and beautiful. So can you just tell us more about this project and its origins and your vision for it? Yes. So um, I have a friend in Chicago, Adam Jason Cohen, who is a print fanatic, and he um, curated this print zine festival last year um, at the Ace Hotel. And I felt like I was kind of an outsider to that community. So I brought something that I had already printed and I didn't sell it. I just gave it out for free because I felt like I'm just going to sit here and learn from the people who are in this community and are really passionate about it and like get samples of what other people are making. Um, and so this year I felt like much more um, prepared to make something that was important to me. And I knew it would be impactful to have a table with just one item on it that had a compelling cover. Um, so that was my goal to shoot and print by March, the end of March. And uh, I made a call for subjects in January. Um, and I essentially wanted to give away the kind of experience that I had had photographing my own body as a way of understanding it and relating to it without it necessarily being a sexual object or only existing for sexual pleasure. So I made a call and then that night I had 25 people that wanted to be photographed and I was like, oh God, that's way too many. <laughs> oh no, what have I done? Um, so I, I capped the call and then I started to schedule the shoots and I realized that um, maybe just like a blank call wasn't the best way to have um, diverse subjects and a range of bodies. Um, so I made more specific calls after that and tried to really photograph um, both men and women. And I haven't photographed any trans people yet, but that's for my next issue, hopefully. Um, I really want it to be inclusive of all bodies and um, basically highlight in an artistic approach um, the things that make our bodies unique, but also relatable. And um, that includes like stretch marks or rolls of fat or body hair, um, the things that are often like erased from uh, images of bodies that we consume in mass media um, and not to have it um, from a male gaze. Obviously, that's what a lot of fine art 
nudes are. So just kind of reversing that and showing people's softness and beauty. I was just going to say, it's a beautiful publication. I mean, it is really striking when you pick it up. Like you said, I think you definitely make an impact with the cover, especially. And um, I know that a lot of the content comes from your followers. Is that correct? And questions you'd ask them throughout the process? Yeah. So I felt like as a person who's um, often online and consuming a lot of media, I would find two camps. It's kind of like I'm insecure about my body or I have these issues and um, this is what I'm trying to overcome or the flip of the coin is body positivity and like accept yourself, love yourself. And I didn't really feel like I belonged in either. It's like sometimes I feel really proud of the way I look and other times it's a struggle. And I think that probably comes from like years and years of negative talk that's been built in through our relationships and through, you know, our friendships and through media. So basically, I wanted to create like a safe space for people to be honest in these short Instagram prompts about the struggles that they've faced, what makes them insecure, reflecting back on changes in their body, um, how they view themselves now. Um, And it was emotional. Like the responses that I got were incredible. People feel, um, well, they love to participate. And also like, when you give people a platform that's anonymous, they'll be totally brutally honest. So uh, it was basically for the zine, I I chose 10 of my Instagram prompts. Like uh, when I went through puberty, what was I most afraid of that was happening to my body? And then um, compiled 20 individual anonymous responses for each prompt. I'm curious, too, just from your perspective, what it's been like for you to be so public about personal experiences and things that you're passionate about. I mean, I feel like Andersonville, like we're known as a business, as a community of a lot of small business owners who are literally like wearing their passion on their sleeve because they're opening a brick and mortar business that represents, you know, what they're truly passionate about. But I think in in your experiences, you did mention that your husband passed away suddenly and your openness about walking with that grief and what that's been like and, you know, ranging to this most recent project. Um, just what has that been like for you as you're you're kind of doing it as part of your career? And but also, you know, it's your your personal life. Um, it's a double edged sword. I think a lot of times when what I was facing felt so big and 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 so hard to wrap my head around, being open and being honest and connecting with other people who had gone through similar experiences or just like without having to leave my apartment, getting moral support from people was really helpful. Um, when you go from living your life with your best friend and like having constant support all the time to having no one at home and no one to turn to, like your phone is the easiest way to just reach out. Um, so I think, you know, I posted every day for a year memories from our life together. Um, and I really think that was necessary for me just to deal with the severity of the loss and the the shock of it. And also that's all I was thinking about and all I could really create. I didn't do it with the intention of making a career out of it. I think people were just drawn to the honesty and everybody loves a love story. So I understand that. But I think long term, it's really difficult to give that much of myself, especially professionally. Um, And it's nice in a way to like run into people and have them know me for like being able to be resilient or stand up in the face of tragedy. But it's also 
sometimes like I went to a concert and then someone came up to me and was like telling me about watching their mom die. And it's it's not always um, an easy thing to to just lay out there. Um, And sometimes I just want to exist like everybody else or maybe be more anonymous. Um, And I know I've created this problem for myself, so I'm not asking for sympathy. Um, But yeah, it can be both wonderful and challenging. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. And I also in this ever changing world of social media, like using that tool for that is probably, you know, a different experience that you're navigating every day. It is. I think I felt a lot of pressure like, okay, I've made these posts and it obviously was impactful work because it got attention and it moved people and I got a lot of feedback from it. But then I sort of came to a crossroads where it's like, do I continue to do this for other people because it makes them feel good? Or do I step away and say kind of like I've drawn a boundary and I'm trying to have a private life now, which is where I'm at. Yeah. And I think though, having, having body talk, for example, you're still giving people the platform that they're probably craving a little bit for this really interpersonal interaction, even if it is anonymous, but, um, closing the loop a little on body talk I know you had printed a certain number of design to begin with and now they are sold out is that correct yes but I'm planning good (laughs) I'm I'm reprinting um next week and I'm selling them first at the doc six art show um which is where my husband worked he was a woodworker um which is May 18th but uh any I think I'm going to print an additional 400 to sell Great. So, yeah. Those will so be. So perhaps um, stay tuned to uh, Anjali's website for information and her Instagram on when Body Talk is available again. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up next for you? We um, we like to kind of find out what new projects you have in the works. Um, I know you were sharing with us on the walkover that you just did a workshop for a bunch of high school students. Um, but we've also seen that you're contemplating going back to school. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, That's what's stirring right now. Yeah. I think um, I've been questioning what the potential of this career is for a long time, uh, maybe since before I started. Um, and it has been so rewarding and fulfilling. Um, but actually, Body Talk was kind of a wake up call for me because it is a personal project that I funded myself that went really well the shooting was fun the post-production was fun and selling it was amazing to see it in people's hands but I also feel like well I can do more than that like what what else what is next for me um and photography hasn't always tapped into the deeper part of me and and all of my intelligence um I think it's a very good outlet for my creativity and for my emotional side um so yeah I'm gonna I'm researching pre-med programs. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing news. That's not what I was expecting you That's to say. That's not what I was expecting either. I was sort of expecting more like, I don't know, social justice or like mentoring or something with the youth, but that's really cool. My dad is a psychiatrist yeah. and I think it wasn't until he retired last year that I got to see the impact that his career has made um, because it was always very like protected kept away from us um and just meeting with the social workers and the case managers and the other people that he has impacted was really eye-opening to me it's I think it's the kind of career that's desperately needed especially um you know 
women of color in psychiatry are not as represented. So um, it's a long road, though. So it's kind of just like an open-ended question right now. Like, can I do it? What's my approach? And um, I'll still be making pictures along the way. Is there something that you would pass on to young aspiring artists or photographers right now? I think making a network in person is so important, even if you're meeting those people from social media. Um, Because if you stay isolated and are just looking at people's work, um, it, it can seem so daunting and so impossible to make to make a living. Um, but I really think like having friends in the field, you just pass on jobs to one another. And that's the great thing about Chicago in comparison to L.A. and New York is that it's a small enough market that people really want to support one another. And it doesn't feel super, super competitive. Maybe I'm lucky because I've found good people in the field, but um, anything is possible. And I think the best skills to have in approaching photography is open-mindedness about where your income will come from. You're not going to make a living doing only jobs that you um, you see like on the cover of Condé Nast Traveler or something like that. It's, it's you know, this job was an amazing opportunity for me to walk my own neighborhood, meet people that are interesting and doing what they're passionate about. Um, and I wouldn't have gotten this job if I wasn't doing personal work that drew people's attention because the point and uh we always like to ask our guests on the podcast if they were uh, able to trade places with an andersonville business for a day who would you pick um can i pick Loss larson <laughs> yeah <laughs> you may there's no right or wrong I answer i already go there every day basically <laughs> so um i think i would be a croissant baker so that I could eat them when I'm done. <laughs> I was going to ask as a follow-up to croissant baking, you know, do you consider yourself a foodie having worked in the food industry? Um, or what's your favorite thing to eat in Chicago or um, the neighborhood? My favorite meal is dinner at Chosun Oak on Lincoln. Um, I get the scallion pancake and bulgogi and the spicy kimchi and pork. And the pot stickers. I don't think that's what they call them, but dumplings of some sort. Um, and I always order too much food so that I have leftovers the next day. <laughs> but um, I don't know if it is related to my husband passing, but it's kind of like when I worked in restaurants, I always wanted to be at what was opening and what was cool and the newest thing in Chicago. And that was like a very fun activity for us to do together. Um, and now I'm just like a creature of habit and comfort and I want to go to Lula and I want to go to Chosun Oak and I want to go to Hop Leaf and then otherwise I cook for myself. That's funny you say Lula because I'm pretty sure Bobby Schaefer, owner of Las Larson, picked Lula Cafe as his one place to eat dinner every day if he could. It's <laughs> a good choice. They've got a little bit of everything. Well, we are excited for the new neighborhood guide and cannot wait to share it with Chicago and Andersonville and beyond, of course. To pick up your very own free copy of the 2019-20 edition of the Andersonville Neighborhood Guide, please visit the Andersonville Chamber booth at Midsummerfest next week, June 7th through the 9th. Well, thank you so much, Anjali, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Anjali Pinto, please visit her website at AnjaliPinto.com and on Instagram at Anjali Pinto. 
For show notes on today's episode, please visit andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org. This episode is brought to you by the Swedish American Museum, currently enrolling Travel the World Summer Camp for ages 6 through 11. Come and explore the food, dance, folk arts, and cultural identities of a different country each day. Find out more information at swedishamericanmuseum.org. Thank you.